stand number number 40 about a couple of pages over saying great is thy faithfulness
You've redeemed us, washed us, and cleansed us. We thank you for making us accepted in the beloved. We pray that today you help us to worship thee in spirit and in truth. Glorify the Lord Jesus. Receive the whatever help we need, direction we need for this coming week. Help us to live to please you, to glorify your name. And we pray in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 All right, have a seat. Got a seat this morning, and I want you to know that we have some of these guys with us. Arv walked in today before Sunday school says, I got these extra ones. I don't know how you got it. I think you told me, but um, I think you borrowed it from the office or something. Um, we have a few of these. If you'd like to get one, the price is really good today. It's only $50 one. And uh, he got it to us for free. $50 for you, all right? <laughs> no, nah, it's just free. It's over here. Yours for the asking. First come, first serve. And so get that if you want to. And then uh, got notice here that they're going to replace or reinstall rooftop chiller installation February the 8th and the 9th. So no parking downstairs at all during those two days. And so hopefully uh, by the next Sunday in February, we'll have our AC working again. In the meantime, today is really nice and cold, so that's good. Who had a hard time getting up this morning? The rest of you really, you should never lie in church, you know what I mean? I mean, it was really hard to get out of bed this morning. It's so nice, so comfortable, so, so cool, so good. Um, found out that Eric's doing good in school, passing all of his exams, really um, doing well, so praise the Lord for that. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Yes, yes, we have some visitors with some guests with us today. I know these people from a long time ago. That doesn't mean that they're old, but I've known them for a long time. They're here today because of a special thing that they would do. Uh, let me introduce them to you. This is Brother Alan Lay and his wife Sonia. They are, he's a pastor, uh, and then uh, he's also chaplain at Halava, Wild, whichever one, for many years. How many years, Brother Alan? Well, I've been going into Halava since 89. That's 89. Now okay. a chaplain, so it's just recently, just been a chaplain this recently. Okay. And the reason he's bought it is because he's been a chaplain. <laughs> <laughs> and I have been going to the prison since 1980, I don't know when. Uh, 88? Since 88. That's a long time ago. And so I uh, got to meet a lot of good people in the administration, or at least in the volunteer side. And then we have with us um, a lady that is a thorn in my side. Her name is Agnes Bershar, and I got to meet today uh, her good husband, um, Jason. Jason strikes me as a real gentleman, and uh, he looks like a pleasant man, and apparently he is. I wish some of that rub off to your wife. <laughs> um, Agnes and I have some interesting emails, and she calls me tall one, I call her little one. <laughs> And so we have this friendship going on, and so it's good. And then we have uh, someone else visiting. Uh, let's see. Um, Barbara Gatewood. Barbara Gatewood. I remember Barbara Gatewood from Halava when she was a volunteer there. Yes, Barbara Gatewood. And so uh, they have come today to do a special presentation. This is a surprise. But I got a phone call two weeks ago by my antagonist, Agnes, and she said, we have something special to go on at your convenience, which would be today, about someone that is in our church. So whoever is going to come, would you come, Agnes or whoever? 
to do a presentation for this special man. Oh, you can. Uh, who's got a step stool? Got a step to anybody? Can you get to me? No. Don't use my guitar. I need my glasses. There you go. Well, good morning, church. As um, Pastor Cam says, my name is Agnes Borshauer, and I do work for the Department of Public Safety Corrections Program Supervisor for the Volunteer Services. Um, unit and it's always an honor to be here among <clears throat> the house of the Lord among fellow believers and I want to thank you Pastor Camp for allowing me us to be here for this short presentation but before I do that um, I just wanted to let you know how blessed you are to have a pastor Pastor Camp as your shepherd and Pastor Camp started volunteering our computer says 1990. He says 1988. Um, that, yeah, we didn't have computer back then. <laughs> so, so apparently, yeah, that's how far he goes. Anyway, but uh, I didn't meet him actually till 2020, 20, 2002. Okay, um, and it's so funny because the first thing. I noticed about him was his height. And I'm pretty sure he stopped growing when he was 40 years old. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I'm sure he noticed that about me too, and he told my husband that. <laughs> because, you know, the first question he ever asked me was, not how are you, not how you're doing, but he said, how short, I mean, how tall are you? <laughs> That's the first question he asked me. So I told him, if he goes on his knees, we'll see eye to eye. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I'm here to honor um, a brother in Christ and acknowledge all the great work he has done for the inmates in our prison facilities. He, um, he was referred to us um, back in 20, August of 2011 by Pastor Camp to be a religious volunteer. The following month, he fulfilled all the necessary requirements, and he became an active volunteer, leaving out the verse in the second half of Matthew 25, verse 26, where it says, I was in prison, and you came unto me. So May of um, 2022, that was last year, he answered another calling, and he became an assistant chaplain, not just for one, um, facility, but two of our facilities, Wayaba and Halaba Correctional Facility. So Passage um, Cam, when he submitted his re letter of recommendation, um, he said of this person, for 25 years, he has demonstrated growth in, in character and responsibility and has earned the respect of church members and our community. He is my pastor, assistant, right-hand man, a position not quickly given to any person. He is a testimony to the grace of God and is and his initiative to be a role or moderate, moderate, 
model Christian man and outstanding citizen. So you can tell I'm very nervous. So anyway, another letter of recommendation came from HCD Corporal Stanley Wilson, and I believe he is also a member of your church. And he added to the sentiment that his approach with people is always calm, easygoing demeanor, provides advice only after a careful, thoughtful, and understanding of the issue. He is respecter. He is a respected person in business community and conducts himself with integrity and honesty. In his letter of recommendation, Mr. Wilson concluded that he has been very open about his past mistakes and consequences, and he had no um, had to fulfill. Furthermore, in his experience, which gives him a special knowledge and insight of those who he will be serving. Okay, so by now you're probably asking or wondering who is this person with the pronoun <laughs> he. He is no other than Mr. Hugh Hinomini. Director um, Mr. Tommy Johnson has acknowledged and authorized Mr. Hugh to be the chaplain of Waiawa Correctional Facility. Amen. Congratulations. Yeah, brother. You want to read that? Sure, I'd love to read that. Okay, so this is the Certificate of Appointment. Hugh, um, as you know, just real quick, I know because you have a service also, but this guy has proven himself in here but also in there, and I don't even know if you know his testimony, but having come out of prison, he makes a huge impact to the men in there, seriously. If you could see Hugh minister, you would appreciate so much. I've seen him already being a chaplain way before this ordination that God has given. But, uh, you know, and this is from the state, uh, public safety. It says, Certificate of Appointment, Hugh Yanomini is hereby appointed as chaplain, I'm sorry, man, of public safety. Having demonstrated the necessary requirements and virtues to serve as a chaplain, you are duly appointed chaplain under the auspices of the Corrections Program Services Division. Department of Public Safety and the director, of course, Tommy Johnson, signed. And here you are, brother. You are a full-fledged Hugh, stay right here, Hugh. Uh, uh. Come here, please. I want to. I want to have you stand by her. I want to see who's taller. <laughs> now we know. So, so when I first met him, I said yes. Somebody I can see eye to eye with. Best of this, Hugh. Don't go away. Picture, picture. Yeah. Don't go away. Yeah, get a picture here, brother, and stand next to her. Oh, how about the other? Uh, and who else? Barbara. Barbara. So you want to come up, baby? And Jason? Well, Jason's coming. You need to come. The other, the better half of me. Come on, Pastor Ching. I'm going to be in the back. I'll stand right here. 
There we go. All right, on three. One, two, three. One more. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, Hugh, come to the front. Everybody stand, please. Let's come back and congratulate Brother Hugh. All right. before dismiss the Chinese ministry. Please have a seat. Uh, I need to tell you that I met Hugh at Waiapa facility. I went in one day for third time Bible study. He was one of the most obnoxious inmates ever. <laughs> he asked these Japanese type questions, antagonistic questions, attacking questions. But uh, I just, you know, I made him wait and so on. But anyway, uh, the key to the have my hip, uh, walking from the park lot to the Waiapa chapel facility, my keys were jingle. And he told me later on, he always listened to my jingling keys because then he knew I was coming. And so that's the beginning of this friendship relationship. And God has used him over the years. Amen. And over a period of time, he has proven faithful. Therefore, he was given little responsibilities along the way. Uh, he taught kids, he taught teenagers, and just a very helpful guy. In every way. You folks know about that already, but that's how far back we go. And uh, so, uh, yeah, so... Uh, Brother Alan wanted to have a prayer for Brother Hughes. Let's do that right now. Brother Alan. Father, we thank you so much. Uh, you uh, ordain and call us first to yourself and then uh, to a church, but also then to certain ministries. And I know that Pastor Cam has been involved with uh, the prison ministry, and I know you has been. And we're so thankful that you raised them up, Lord God, and uh, this is uh, your hand that has done this. 
and you want to use them in a mighty way to uh, speak into the life, not only of the incarcerated men and women in, in Hawaii, but the uh, administrators, the staff, the ACOs, all those who are involved in prison. Uh, here's, he's a prayer warrior. God, I ask that you would uh, use him mightily uh, in these ways and to see many who would come to know Jesus Christ through his ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good thing I didn't call in sick this morning. Like Pastor said, it was kind of cold, right? All right, one more song, number 263. Remain seated, we'll sing this song, 263. Shelter in a time of
All right, good to see you this morning, and as I had said earlier to some, the message today is about authority, and I'm going to tell you today that authority is the answer for a lot of our problems. Now, it is not what you think it is, and uh, folks who don't like authority, folks who don't like to be under someone's authority, folks who want to be the boss all the time, they may have a difficult time to accept the biblical teaching about authority, but the Bible does talk about authority. And as I've tried this month of January to teach about family things, about church things, about relationship to God things, uh, today is about authority. And I want you to know that every one of us is under someone's authority. And every one of us may be in authority, or we are for sure under someone else's authority. So take your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. Uh, at our church... As in some other churches, I am sure, the focus and purpose of our services is to honor Jesus Christ. And we do that by honoring His Word. And so the most important book that we have in our library is the Bible. And the Bible is like this. If this was a stack of books, whatever those books would be in our library, good books, resource books, uh, reference works, comment, whatever it is, this Bible is not like this. This Bible is not like that. This Bible is like this. Amen. So this book is above everything else. And so we go by that, what it says. We try very hard to make it plain, make it easy to understand, although sometimes things are not going to be understood no matter how easy we try to make it. The Bible is God's Word. Whatever I understand or don't understand. It will not change because I don't understand it. But I hope by the Holy Spirit's help we will understand some things, or at least be reminded about some things. Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13, and I'm going to make some applications along the way in this chapter about the family and about especially the husband or the father. Now, if you're not a father today, at least this might help you prepare to be a father. If you are a father, I hope this is helpful to you. If you are a father yet your kids are grown and out of the home, I hope you can pass on some of this truth to others who might need some advice and counsel from the Bible. Perhaps you could help them. Perhaps you can give them some guidance, but I know the Bible is good for everyone. It is God's word, and though not everything is directed to me, everything is good. Everything is true. And I will always learn something from what the Bible says. All right? Okay? I hope you, if you have any questions, don't ask me now. I'm not going to answer you. I can't answer you now. Let me just get through what I need to get through. If you have any questions after, I'll be glad to maybe try to help you. Romans chapter 13. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no part but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. I'll try to go a few verses at a time and try to make some uh, remarks or teach about each verse. But it does say, as he begins Romans 13, Paul does, let every soul be subject to the higher powers. Now, as I say, some are in authority. We are to be subjected to those in authority. We are under them. We're not the authority. Uh, there are levels of authority. There's ranks in authority. In the military, it's very obvious that there are ranks. Everyone submits themselves to the one above them. Who is the one in charge of the military? Who is the commander-in-chief? I'm afraid it's somebody that's in office now that we may not like. Now, having said that, some of you may like the, the, the man who's in office there, but the office is what you respect, and he is the commander-in-chief. Everyone falls under him by the hierarchy or by the, what's that word, you military folk? Chain of, that's the one I don't like, chain of command. There's a chain of command that we must follow. And that's just how it goes in many other private sector jobs as well. 
You cannot be saying to anybody who's over you saying, I don't like you, therefore I'm not listening to you. Try that. See how long you last. You cannot disrespect authority over you. You cannot say to that person, I don't like the way you look. I don't like the way you talk to me. I don't like you. Therefore, I'm not going to submit myself to you. That's pretty much pink slip. You cannot think that way, act the way to the authority over you. Uh, I'm going to tell you this, that authority is not the problem. Authority is not the problem. There's many times authority, authorities are wrong because of poor character, lack of character, lack of integrity, dishonesty, love of money. All these things contribute to poor leadership, poor, poor uh, authority figures. However, we are told by Paul that we are to subject ourselves to those who are authorities over us. It's not the problem. The problem is that we sometimes have issues with pride, with arrogancy, we're narcissistic, we just think that we can do better than anybody else, and maybe sometimes you can. However, your position, whatever that is, if it's in a submissive position, you ought to subject yourself to authority over you. Sometimes in church, we don't like to do this. Now, thank God I wouldn't have this problem in our church. I wouldn't say we don't have any problems, because we do. Every church has problems. Sometimes problems are because of people resenting authority over them. Well, who is supposed to be, this is a free part of the sermon, this is not part of my notes, but who is the authority figure, humanly speaking, in the church? I hate to tell you this, and I'm afraid you know the answer, and I'm kind of shy about this, but the fact is, there has to be an authority figure in a local church, right? And it has to be that way, because that's the New Testament. There has to be someone in charge. That someone in charge is not a dictator. That someone in charge is not the boss. Brother Nap used to call me the boss. Whenever there's a question, he would do this. I don't know. Ask the boss. Pointing to me. I hated that. To be called a boss. I'm not a boss. I'm a shepherd. I'm a pastor. I'm not a boss. I'm not an employer kind of thing. But there has to be someone in authority in a church. But wait. My real focus here is there has to be authority in the home. So in the home, in the home, there has to be someone in authority. In the home, someone has to be responsible for what goes on in the home. So in the home, you must have someone who is in charge. If you don't have someone in charge in the home, what do you have in the home? You have chaos. You have a mess. You have a home out of control. So you must have someone in control of the home. Your smoke signals. <laughs> someone must be in control of the home. Someone has to have authority in the home. It can't be the kids. In the New Testament, in Ephesians and Colossians, the kids are not number one. There's a hierarchy. There's an order. There's a, there's a rank in the home. You have to have authority. And that's going to be the father, the dad. And so some are in authority, levels of authority, all are subject to some kind of authority. And uh, when it comes to parenting, kids must never think they are in control. Kids must never feel that they can pressure and, and get their way and manipulate their parents to get their way. You ever see kids in a store, in a cart, going down the cereal aisle? And what do some kids do? I want that, I want that. And some of the, some kids, they're really funny. They, they crack me up, but then it makes me irritated. They see something that they want. I want that too, by the way. 
who, I don't know who this is for, but they see that and they grasp that, and they grasp that, and they want that. And the mom says, no, you can't have that. And they throw, they throw a fit, and they keep reaching for that. And the next thing kids do to, to get mom and dad to buckle is to, to raise their voices, and then pretty soon people are getting noticed, noticing the kid, and they reach for that. Finally, the mom says, okay, okay, if I give that to you, you stop yelling, right? Of course they will. So they're manipulative. Kids are manipulative. And they think that they can have the rule over the roost over the home. You cannot let that happen. You must not let your kids think they have all authority in the home. They're not at the top of the food chain. They're at the bottom. So it's father, mother, kid, dog, goldfish, things like that. <laughs> you cannot reverse things. Whenever you reverse things, you're going to have trouble. Believe me. Trouble. You must submit to authority. Authority is a good thing. Authority is not your problem in our home. So my focus is not government per se. It's about authority which comes from God, which is seen in government and in private sectors, but it's also seen in the home. You must have authority in the home. You must have someone who has authority. And that person is daddy, dad, father, whoever, whatever you call them. It is daddy in the home who must have authority. All right, so let every soul be subject, let everyone in the home be subject unto the Father. Now, right away, people are getting upset. Maybe not you, but people will hear this later on. They get upset because authority, me, submit them. There's a book out in the Senate, it's called Me, Obey Him. There's a picture written uh, on the cover of a book written by some, some pastor, I think it was, I forget the name. But uh, it's about me, obey him. It's about the woman resisting obeying her husband, her head. <laughs> really good but back in the, you know 40 years ago kind of thing but uh, that's how people think I'm not going to submit to anybody because I am my own person don't you know who I am I'm a woman no one tells me what to do not even my husband I do what I want it's my body it's my life well it's all a big lie that people believe really there is peace and there is quietness in the home when there is order and you have order when there's authority Someone must be in control. Someone must have authority in the home. It's daddy, it's the father. And so they must learn to be in subjection to the authority. Uh, in Deuteronomy chapter six, let me tell you something here. Turn here with me, please. In the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, the Lord is preparing the people to uh, cross over into the promised land. And there are some instructions to the nation. There are some instructions to the people as to how they shall have order in the home and in their nation. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, God places the responsibility of the home in the hands of one particular person. Chapter 6 of Deuteronomy, verse number 1 says, Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that ye might do them in the land where, whither ye go to possess it that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his just, uh, commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son, and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth milk and honey. I get the impression here that God says there are some roots, there's some things to be in order if I will bless you and if you want to be happy, if you want to be prosperous and so on. If you want to have my favor, you must have order in 
the home. Watch verse number four. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is our, uh, one Lord, and, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thine... Would you like to have your kids fulfill this? Would you like to have your children, your very own flesh and blood, love God with all of their hearts, put Him first in their lives as they grow and as they become independent? Would you like to have love your kids? It has to begin the process somewhere. Where does it begin? begins in the home. Don't depend on your church to do the work that you fathers ought to be doing. Don't depend on a Christian school to teach your kids what they ought to be taught in the home. Church and school, Christian school, ought to supplement, but they cannot supplant or make up for how they're taught in the home. You ignore that. You might get some good teaching in the church and in the school, but the home is where it all happens. That's where the training really starts, where it really continues. You'll be so glad, believe me, you'll be so glad if you make the time to believe what the Bible says and practice what it says, you'd be so glad in a few years that you've done that because your kids will grow up like they're supposed to. At least this is the blueprint that we have. Let's read verse number 5. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. Verse 6. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Who is the thee? Who is the thee? He's not talking to talking in a generic sense. He's talking to a specific person. Verse 7, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for us, and so on. Alright, the thou, he's talking about someone in particular. He's talking about this person out over here. He's talking about dad. He's talking about the Hebrew father. This is the man that is going to rule his house, train his kids, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord so that that generation, his kids, will have, as we would call it, Christian values, biblical values, a love for God, things like that. That's very important. Although things that are important to a father, what would you say are the more important things? Let me qualify. Uh, of the things that are important to a father, what is the most important thing for a father to have transplanted, uh, passed on into his kids? Your faith. If you love God as a father, I would want my kids to love God too as a, as a father to my kids. And that's what is going to happen. And the father has responsibility to be an authority and he is the one to teach his kids how they should be taught. All right? We good so far? Okay, let's continue. Now, he is the authority God is. And in Psalm 14, 2, the Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. Notice that the Lord looks down from heaven. You know what the Lord is saying here? As a side note, there are human authorities, governmental authorities, authorities in the home, but above them all is God who looks down from heaven. God is the ultimate authority. When it comes to obeying authority, here's the caution and here's the balance about the matter. We obey authorities, laws of our country, but is there a time for which we do not obey the laws of the land? There are. We have biblical precedents. Do you know Daniel, when he prayed three times with his window open, you know what he's doing? He was breaking the law in the book of Daniel because the law was unbiblical or as we would call it, unscriptural or as we would call it, it was against what God wanted for Daniel to do. So Daniel says, it's against the law to pray, huh? 
Except I pray through the Nebuchadnezzar statue and all that kind of thing. The music sounds, I'll bow down to it, face that statue, 90 feet tall and all that kind of stuff. He says, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to open my window and pray to God like I always do. He wasn't trying to be a, a, a hard-headed, obnoxious man. He just was going to continue what he has been doing all the time. He's going to be faithful to God. And even though the law says, do not do that, he said, okay, I'm going to do what I need to do that's right to do before God. So that's a case in which you disobey the law because it breaks God's law. It violates your Christian conscience, so you do the right thing instead. In Acts chapter 4 and 5, around there, uh, you have the apostles saying, chapter 3, we'd rather we should obey God rather than man. They said, stop preaching. They said, stop witnessing. They said, stop evangelizing. Stop doing. They said, okay, you want us to stop? You're going to pass the law? He says, okay, you can pass that law, but that doesn't stop us from doing something that is a matter of obeying God. So that's why when you cross that line, you have to still obey God instead and face the consequences. That's a pretty tough thing to do. And during COVID, we had a lot of people, a lot of churches even, who obeyed God rather than man, and they suffered some consequences because that over in Canada, some churches still suffered the consequence of disobeying the government. Well, they could not violate their conscience. So when it comes to authority, you must obey God, who is our authority over all. All right? So sometimes, now this is not about, I like the speed limit, I'm going to go speeding anyway. That's not about that. It's not about light for, for a building. You have lighting, uh, you have light meters, you have to pass the light meter, the, the codes for lighting. You must do this kind of things. You must have a driver's license, you must carry a driver's insurance, you must do these basic things of living in a civilized place. You cannot just say, ah, I'm a Christian, I, I'm God's my authority, I don't have to be man's authority. That's pretty silly, and that's pretty wrong. You ought to be punished for that. You ought to pay some fine for that. There are some Christians that I know, because they're so... They're so too much on one side, really kind of extreme actually, to be truthful. They're extreme, and they say, it's God and nothing else. Well, listen, big boy, you live in a country that's run by, by we have a constitution, we have laws to obey. You have to obey the laws of your country. They are many times reasonable. Many times it's for our own good, it's for our own safety. You say, well, I don't believe in seat. Remember long ago when you didn't have seatbelt laws, and it began... Okay, see if they lost. I thought to myself, you know what? I'll just hold Nathan. My wife's holding Nathan in her lap. I'll just, if after a step on break, I'll just do that and stop him from hitting the dashboard. You know, how silly was I? It became a law that we had to comply with. Come to find out, it was a good thing. People resent things like that, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when it is a clear breach of the scriptures to obey a government official or a law of the land when it's just wrong biblically. Number, verse number two. Verse number two. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Now Daniel disobeyed the law. The apostles disobeyed the law because God is the final authority, but there are consequences to disobeying the law. And uh, now when it comes to the home, when children rebel against their parents, uh, rebel against their parents' authority, there should be some consequences. Well, let me tell you something that's practical and it is happening in my life as a father. When my kids disobeyed me and mom, my wife, when it was acts of rebellion, when it was acts of figuratively that. You know, figuratively, the attitude was, I don't care what you say. Now, the kids were careful not to verbalize that, but you can tell from their countenance, from the face that they didn't like what they were told to do, and they just pout. You know, this, I'm sitting in the corner, but in my heart, I'm standing up, you know, kind of thing. Standing in the corner. I'm standing in the corner, but I'm really rebelling on the outside. That kind of So it, it, rebellious things, we were very firm with. We were very consistent with. We never tolerated that. 
childishness, foolishness, uh, knocking over a water glass at the dinner table, that's childishness. They never got spanked for that. But if they did that, eat your peace. Well, well, well. Drink your milk. You know what that is? That's, no I'm not. I am rebelling against you, Pop. And I'm gonna do what I wanna do. Okay, really. I remember the first time my son got a spanking. See, fathers remember these things. Because we don't wanna spank our kids. But sometimes you must. We'll get to that just a minute. But I'm trying to say so far that if you resist the power, you really resist the ordinance of God. God allowed things to go on. God set it up. And all the details, all the, the rudiments of the government, whether it be corrupt or not, God allowed the power to be in existence because he's over everything. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. So there is punishment. There is, quote, execution. There is chastisement that comes to a child in the home when the child is disobedient and rebellious has got a bad attitude look for the attitude fathers look for the attitude that's what you're looking at you look at the heart attitude that's what you look at don't spank don't chastise for childish behavior because they have to grow up they have to mature you have to have that understanding but things of rebellion that's what you look for and so rulers verse number three says are not a terror to good works but to the evil Rules, laws are not for the good people, it's for the bad folks, supposedly, and we hope that is true. Without then not be afraid of the power, verse 3. Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. The establishment of law is for order, peace, and safety for the citizens of a country, and it is to diminish crime, and criminals are a fear of punishment. You know what really gets my goat? I don't have a goat, but if I had one, you know what gets my goat? <laughs> I see people walk around like that with carts full of stuff. Then I see another guy pulling another cart full of stuff. And they just walk around going along with that. These are carts taken from Safeway, Times, Longs, Costco, things like that. And I'm thinking, they have just taken another business establishment's property, and there's no consequence to that. I did see, uh, open up my browser on my phone, uh, what's it about um, expired safety checks, the, the tag on the bumper. They're aggressive with that now. And they're fining people up to $100 for having a late or uh, uh, expired safety check thing. And the article was very firm. We are gonna cite you if your car is parked or if we see you. This is breaking the law. Okay, so it is. So you're gonna find me for having my sticker expired safety check, but you're not gonna get that guy for stealing wagons from the store? I don't see the consistency there. Now whether you think I'm harsh or not, the fact is that there should be consequences of breaking the law. I didn't think I'd get any amens on that one there, but it is true. In the home, where, where I'm folks in the home, when there is a a violation of house rule, whatever it is, that's reasonable, and there's a bad attitude about that, there should be some kind of consequence in the home. Look, the, we deserve punishment if we break the law. We hope that we won't do it again. I got two moving violations in 2021. I would like to say it wasn't my fault, but it was. I'm driving up by the uh, airport going ever about toward I am when I live there. And I just helped somebody find a used car. I was very happy, very proud, very glad that 
I was able to get this person used car. I'm leaving Kali here, coming up on the free, going toward home. It's 3.30 beyond, so we have a HOV lane. Okay, there's a lot of cars in my lane, so I get over one lane to HOV lane. You gotta have two or three more passengers right in the car. Well, it's only me, myself, and I. Technically, it's just me. I get that left and I go over here, not even 50 yards, there's a mosquito, there's a motorcycle cop, sunglasses. He's sitting over here, watching things go by. He sees me in the HOV lane by myself. He does this to me. You talk about authority. You talk about authority. He looks at me, he does this. And he does this. Because I wasn't paying attention to him. He does that three times. And he keeps his finger on me, and as I come toward him, he does this. You, over here. His little finger had the power and authority to get me over to this side. I took park. He walks up to me, he says, this is an HOV lane. I says, oh yes, I would just, my intent was to go here and get back over here. I told him my story, I thought it's gonna be good. It's a good excuse, it's legitimate, it's real, just get back over here. I know it's an HOV lane. He says, I don't care. License, registration, insurance. I had to submit to that authority. I didn't like it, but I got a fine. He said, you can, you can, you can write a letter, you can go to court, and you can, you can challenge this if you want to. Well, I did. I told, I wrote a letter, and I got $20 off my fine. Well, that was better than nothing. Another time, I got a fine for not having a seatbelt on. Oh, that was worse. He was coming this way, I was going this way. Another time, I was coming down Leaky Leaky, coming to the bridge from Kaneway, and it goes from 45 to 35, kind of fast. Now, I must admit to you, I was playing my phone. Never play your phone when you're driving on the highway. I hate people play the phone on the, drive, on the highway. I was playing my phone. And by the time I realized, uh-oh, from 45 to 35, I break. There are three cops on the side. You know what they do to me? <laughs> There's the finger again. I get pulled over again. And same old, you can write a letter, you can go down the court, you can dispute it. And I did. I got some money off of that. I gave him a real sad story. And uh, I, I wasn't lying. I just... I don't know, emergency or uh, something, but I got a few dollars. <laughs> I, got, I got penalized for breaking the law. Okay, no problem with that. I should be penalized for breaking the law. In the home, when kids act up and it's a matter of just rebelling and they don't listen to you, they don't respect your word, you should do something about that. Really, you should. Now, I don't mean, I don't mean harsh. I don't mean un unnecessary. Not in anger. Never in anger. I was in the home of a Samoan friend, not far from here, at the, the housing, and the boy didn't come to his father, who said, come here. He didn't come fast enough, you know what he did? He got his cane, as the boy walked toward him, he was sitting on the floor like this, the father was, he just whacked him in the ankles, whack, 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 and it went like that, and the boy did that. He sat down, started to cry, and I'm sitting and watching this thing. The father believed he had to exercise some authority over his, his boy. That's not what I'm talking about, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not talking about that. Don't do that. There's another way to do that without having to be harsh like that, okay? That's not what I'm saying. But you have to have authority in the home. You have to have self-control. You have to have control. You must, you must know that kids understand, even if they don't understand the words, they must understand there is some hurt that comes for rebellious behavior. Okay? And there's a way of doing that without being 
what they call child abuse. Because I'm not talking about child abuse. No one's for that. God's not for that. But God is for firm correction when there's rebellion. The nation of Israel itself is a real picture of how God treated his people that he loved. His covenant people, he loved them, yet he was very firm with them. And in the New Testament, you have a principle in play in Romans 13, where if you break the law, you should face the consequence of the law. So law enforcement is a deterrent uh, to uh, criminal activity. It should be. And when there is respect for the law, there is a diminishing of crime. When there's no respect of the law, there is an escalation of crime. That's just the way human nature is. Every time I see graffiti when, uh, on, on road directional signs, I'm thinking, how, first thing, how did they ever get up there to spray paint these things on these directional signs on the freeway? How did they do that? When did they do that? You must do it sometime when no one's around, no one's awake, no one's driving. I see all this, and I'm thinking, boy, I'd like to catch them. Now, if you get this idea that I don't like law breaking, it's because I don't. I don't like transgression of something that's public. I like people who respect people's property. I like people who respect my property. And uh, when I start thinking, boy, what I, somehow, you got to put it with the technology that we have, we'll have to be able to spot these people. We don't have to be there physically. There ought to be some kind of drone or camera or something. Catch them in the act. And when you catch them in the act, do what they do in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> now you say, well, AC is going to get in case. Probably so, because that's too harsh. That's too, too, too extreme. Yeah, but I'm just simply saying there has to be something that's enforced so that people are deterred from doing something bad again. So do not take this the wrong way, ladies and gentlemen, because I don't mean to be like that. I'm just saying in your own home, there has to be authority. There has to be consequences of disobedience and, and, and rebelliousness. There has to be. Otherwise, your child will grow up thinking that they can rule and they can do as they please without any consequences. You're going to stop halava. You're going you're to stop and send people to halava because in the homes, we don't emphasize to our kids that there's a consequence of breaking home rules. I want you to know, in all of my years going to halava, I see all these guys. There's some, some brothers, I think it's the, the Seward boys, seven of them in prison, one after the other. I'm not sure why that is. I'm not going to speculate, but I'm saying things happen in the home, and when the Bible is practiced in the home, you may have a, a lessening of crime, criminal activity in society. You're never going to find my son, my daughter-in-law, trying to break the law. You're not going to find my grandkids sneaking around trying to break the law because they really believe deep in their hearts the Bible is true, God means what he says, Therefore, when dad says, when mom says, when grandpa says, well, grandpa don't, they don't listen to what's grandpa. Grandpa's pushover sometimes. But mom and dad, when they say something about a house rule, they mean what they say. And they teach them, they train them, they're patient with them until they get it. Then they expect them to comply and fulfill. That's why their home is very quiet, very calm. There's no shouting. Now, this crime because they stepped on a nail, they stepped on a thorn, or somebody bumped into each other, or, or you know, the brains fell off the head, off the ear, and they fell on the concrete. Now, this crime because of that, but there's no typical American TV scene where everybody's at each other's throats. There's no reality TV program going on in, our, in their home. It's calm. Listen carefully. Let's huddle. 
it is so nice that their home is calm. No raising of the voices. You know, Nathan does when kids act up, and kids do act up. Don't get this wrong impression that their kids are perfect. I will tell you that their kids are so imperfect. They're kind of like the grandpa, imperfect. They're kind of like the son, the dad, imperfect. But when there's a transgression, when there's some rebuke to be done, it's like this. Now, they're taught this finger has power. I told my son and my daughter, when, as, a, as a kid, let's play the game. When I do that, and you see me, you come right away, you drop what you're doing. If I call, you answer me, yes, sir. And you answer so I can hear you, and you drop it, you come right away. So we practice that game with our kids. And Nathan, he'd be fooling around, playing. Yes, sir. And he'd drop what he's doing and run to me. i say, good doggy, good doggy, good doggy. Good boy, good boy. Give him a biscuit, you know. <laughs> and so that meant something to him. And he still does. Today, to this day, my daughter and my son, if I, if I look at that Nathan back here, if I did that, you know what he'd do? He'd say, excuse me. He'll come right to me. Not because I'm a dictator or a tyrant, but because he's learned something when he's very young. The principle of authority. And his dad who loves him is one to say something that's important, otherwise he wouldn't call him. And so they answer or they respond like that. Your kids need to learn to respect authority in the home. You and mom. They ought not to be any toleration of sassing back or mouthing back to you or you know, things like that. You ought to have some you ought to have some understanding that you are in charge of your home. Okay? Okay? Okay. All right. Okay, I just want to know if I'm upsetting you or not. Maybe I should upset you. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, when I talk about control, when I we had it, we had this. We had this, and I I like dogs. I like dogs. We had three of them from the Humane Society. And these dogs are really good. We got them when they were puppies. And um, we were living there at the time. And these dogs were pretty much out of control. We'd walk with them. And you know what they would do? They'd run, they'd pull. And we'd walk like that. It was not very fun for my dog to run the dog pulling at her. And so we finally had to go to take the, the, the kids and <laughs> the dogs. <laughs> the obedience school in high school, they had a free program, so we took them down there for seven weeks. And we learned some clues, some techniques to walk with the dog and to help them to be under control. And when the dogs learned to be under control, we learned how to hold the leash just right, the right length. We learned how to look at them, talk to them, and we learned to train them. And when the dogs were trained, when the dogs walked, they walked only so far. They didn't chase after. And when we said heal, when we said sit down or else I'll kill you, they believed us. <laughs> and so the dogs were a delight to walk with around our neighborhood because the dogs were under control. Then I've seen dogs out of control. Dangerous, uncomfortable. Your kids are like dogs. <laughs> Your kids are like dogs. They have to be made to be under control. Our dogs loved us. We gave them a bath. They came inside for three days. We fed them. We cared for them. We pet them, hugged them. We loved our dogs. They looked to be about 11, 12 years old, each one. We were very sad when they had to be put down. Just like you love your kids, I love my kids. We have to have the sense to believe what the Bible says, to practice what it says, so that our kids in public would not act up. When kids act up in public, 
I don't want to sound harsh or unkind. It's just like with the dogs. When they're out of control in the home, they're going to be out of control in public. Does that make sense to you? And when kids do not get the training and consistency that they need in home from their parents, from their dad especially, in public, they'll do the, I want it, I want it, I want that. Well, it's because in the home, there's something going on or not going on. So that's where it all happens. And that's where you must have authority. The kids must learn to respect and obey the authority. Just like a dog had to, and uh, my dogs are so happy because they never got scolded. It always was, good doggy, good doggy. Good doggy. And when you see the dog tail go like that, you feel good because they feel good. And it's a, it's a pleasure to walk with the dogs when they're under control. And ladies and gentlemen, You've all, seen, you've all seen homes and you've all seen kids where they are so out of control. You feel bad for that family. You feel bad for people in the airplane because the kids are out of control. They climb up in the back seat, they're doing that, they're doing that, you know, and, and you're kicking that chair and you say, hey, stop that. And you, the parent says, hey, it's not your kid, it's my kid. And you feel like saying, well, get your kid under control. But you can't say too much in public. And so the home is where things are dealt with and where people are trained, kids are trained. And so when there's frustration with the parents, uh, when there is this, oh man, I wish my kids were never born. That's a horrible thing to say. But that just reflects the, the frustration a parent has because he has not yet learned to have authority in the home and the kids have not yet learned to respect and obey the authority in the home. It's kind of kind of simple, but sometimes it's difficult to do We've let things go on for a long time. And so the solution is not raise your voice. The solution is not carry a bigger belt, carry a bigger stick. The, the, the solution is not more threats. That's not the solution. The solution is this. This is the solution. The authority in the home, it's gonna filter down to one thing where the child's will is broken. Now, broken, the way, breaking the will simply means he has learned to realize something. It's finally got to him, I disobeyed dad, I disobeyed mom, I have a bad stinking attitude, then this is the consequence. When he gets to that place of understanding that, his will is broken. Now, I will tell you the truth. Uh, this is now confession time. When I first took off my belt, when I first took off my belt to spank Nathan in the bathroom in Conway, I don't know how old he was. When I first did that, I was terrified because I knew I should have done that sooner because he was beginning to act up more and more and more, and I didn't do it. I just said, stop that or else. Stop that or else. Well, or else never came. Or else never came. It was always an empty threat. Well, since he never got any chastisement for the acting up, he, he did more and more and more. Yes. And so, uh, finally, it was Mom Miranda said, uh, Pam Nathan said this. I said, What? I said this, he said that. I said, Is that right? Nathan, go to the bathroom. And you know what happened next? I said, I'll be there in five minutes. I wanted to sweat it out. I wanted to think about what this is all about. I'm trying to do one thing. I'm trying to do just one thing. Just one thing. If I could do just one thing that he would get here, then perhaps this would be 
the last time he gets a spanking. Although it was the first time. <laughs> Got into the room, bathroom, shut the door. I took up my belt. He looked at that. He looked at me. And he's like this. His little Chinese ass got real big like Caucasian eyes. <laughs> he knew what I was about to do, and I knew what he was thinking. I said, I said, Nathan, you're going to get a spanking because mom said you did this. I don't think mom lies. You agree that you did? He said, and he's trying to give me this pathetic look like, okay, I'm really sorry now. I'm not going to do it again, so don't do anything. Okay, please, please, please. It's on his face. I said, look, I think you understood the rule, right? Yes. You understand about, yes. But you broke the, yes. Okay, I'm going to spank you. I don't want to spank you, I'm going to spank you. Now, this is very difficult for a young father to do to his firstborn son, firstborn child. I said, put on your pants. He put on his pants. He's got his underwear there. And he's shaking. I said, put your hand against the sink like this. Now, don't go report me to uh, human services like that, okay? <laughs> Don't do that. I said, bend over. And he's like, I said, and he put his hand like this. I said, move your hand. And he moved his hand and moved back again. I said, move your hand. I'll spank your hand. Move this, put his hand. I spanked his hand. He put his hand back over here. Okay, now we're making some progress here because I said, move your hand. I'll spank your hand. I spanked his hand and said, move this hand over here. And he's trembling. Now, look. I'm not an evil man. I'm not a vindictive man. I'm not a bad guy. I'm trying to do one thing. And so, I said, I'm going to spank you three times, okay? And so I hit him one time. I said, stop yelling or I'll spank you another time. So why did he yell like a siren, like a fire engine truck going by? <laughs> because when we to stop. He thought if he would scream loud, the neighbors would wonder what's going on, he'd make me stop. I said, I know what you're trying to do. I said, it's not going to work. I said, I'm going to spank you another time, extra one. You get a bonus spank. I spanked him again. I said, be still. And he's trying. I spanked him three. Actually, he got four. And he's crying. He's sobbing. And I'm crying. But the snot was coming out my nose like it was coming out his. And so I let him cry. Put up my belt. I let him cry. And I got a rag. I washed it. Washed rag. I said, wipe your face. Wipe the tears wet behind about the way and all that kind of thing. And I said, come here. I gave him a hug. <laughs> and uh, that little boy, that little body, he just was shaking as I was holding him. And he didn't know it, but I was hurting more than he was hurting. <laughs> but he didn't believe it. I told him that, but he didn't believe me. <laughs> and uh, afterwards, I prayed with him. I could hardly talk when I was done. And I said, I'll go out. You come out when you're ready to come out. After a few minutes, he came out. You know what he's doing? He bounced out like this. <laughs> he came up to me. He says, Dad, can I do something for you? Want anything to drink? Some potato chips? He was wanted to make up like a good dog. You know what he had to have done? He had to have his will broken. Thinking that he could go against what the authority said. He could not get away with it. And so I had to take that step. And from that day on, I will tell you the truth. He got scoldings, he got rebukes, he got in your face kind of thing, but he never had to have a spanking. As I would, let me correct myself, he did have some spanking along the way, but at a certain age, it was over, no more spanking. Everything was just, punishment was in different forms rather than the spanking. He had learned his lesson, 
the will was broken. He had to still grow up and mature like my daughter and so on. And so that's what happened. I had to exercise authority in the home. I had to exercise the chastisement when it was warranted. I had to be loving, kind, and merciful like God is merciful to me. I had to do all these things. And if you think Nathan's a good guy, it was because of some of that stuff. <coughs> and if you think my daughter's a good girl, it's because of some of that stuff. And I feel so bad for you parents who don't see that yet. Because you're going to have a real hard life when they become teenagers because you have refused to exercise your authority in the home. It's not evil, folks. It's not bad. It's good. Authority is good. They want the security to know that I can't go any further. If I do this, this can happen to me. They need to know that. You cannot bargain with them. You cannot reason with them. You cannot negotiate with them. They're not adults. They're your children. They need to learn to have their wills broken. And it's a good day when it is. It's a good day. Well, we're not frustrated. We weren't frustrated as young parents because we did what the Bible says. Verse 5 says, Wherefore you must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For this cause pay you tribute also, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Remember therefore, uh, render to them therefore all their dues. Tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Now, we pay our taxes not because we want to, but because we must obey the law. Whatever anybody says, that's the law. It's voluntary contributions, yes, but no matter what anybody tells you, you must comply with the law. You must. And when you, when, let me just say, when you, when you men, when you parents fuss about different things about the law in your home, and all your kids hear is about your gripes about, oh, this is so bad, this is wrong, I don't want to do that, you want to cut, you are, you are, you are, you are helping them to think that they too, who don't like what you tell them, they can try to find ways to get around that as well. They hear so much and see so much of you uh, trying to get around something and disobey and break the law. Well, they're going to translate that to say, well, you know, God, dad, Daddy does that about this and that. And so I, I think I'm going to find ways to go around what Daddy says. And that's how it all works. The human mind, the, the nature of man is kind of like that. So the influence that you have by what you teach them, by how you live before them, the examples you set, it all plays a part in their, their growth and in their wills being shaped. You want your child's will broken, but you don't want to break their spirit to do right. You don't want to break their heart. You don't, to, you don't want to wound their heart. You want them to learn the lessons, but they will not resent you. I'll tell you this. They will not resent you if you have a measure of balance as you train your kids. You must have, you must be this. See, you must, you must have that. You must have that. Uh, you, you cannot be all firm. You know, all firm, all rules, all strictness, all punishment, all the time. No, no, no. It, sometimes kids think their middle name is no. Johnny, no. Sally, no. What's your name? Johnny, no. <laughs> no, it's not no. It's you hear. It's like the other, you gotta, and you can't have all mercy. We're all tolerance. Do whatever you want because I love you. I'll get everything you want because I love you. I want you to like me too. I want you to like me. I want you to love me. I want you to speak well of me to the peers. You can't be that either. You're going to have to write this thing like this where the kids understand that he's fair, but he's firm. That is going to get me if I disobey him, but he loves me. 
And when kids have that balanced view about how you treat them, how you raise them, how you train them, how you chastise, how you lead them, how you exercise over them, they will not resent you. In fact, they will transfer what they have learned in the home. When God gives them a wife and kids, they will do the same thing that you did for them, but only much better. Do you know? And I, I, I kind of refrain from saying this because it just sounds like it's the illustration is almost self-serving, but it's not. But uh, Kristen and Nathan, they have raised their kids much better than we have raised them. That's how it should be. We thought we did some right things. We know our mistakes. But you're looking at the fruit of Miranda and myself trying to raise our kids right. And now in their kids, we see the fruit of our child training in their kids. Their kids, you know their kids, you know them. They are respectful. They don't act up. Their biggest fault is that they don't talk loud enough. What'd you say? Say that again. No, say that again. Open your mouth. Open your mouth and speak. That's the biggest fault. As far as attitude, respect, love for God, love the Bible, want to be in church, all those important things, it's instilled in them. They're still maturing, they're still growing. And, and I'm not trying to exalt them above measure, but I'm telling you, what I'm telling you, it does work. God's ways, they do work. Okay, okay, i got to end with this. What happens if my kids go bad? What happens if after all of this stuff, they turn 17, 18, or maybe 15, and they begin to sneak? Okay, listen, here's what you want to understand. Every child, every child, they have their own will. They have their own will, like you have your own will. You can know to do the right thing, you know the consequences of doing wrong, and still you will do what you want to do. Every man, every woman, every person in this world, they have the will to use. They will to do something. Something persuades them, something gets their attention, and they go after something, good or bad, because they have that capacity to do that. You hope that their decision-making will be shaped by your child training so that they make better decisions, make better choices, gooder choices. Because you've helped them to make better choices. And so uh, I was out with Joseph the other went down to Lowe's looking at something, and he was trying to figure something out about the cost of something. And I said, I want to get this. And he says, won't you get this part instead? Because if we get this part, then it's cheaper than getting this whole thing. Over here. Oh, because we got a pump here that works. It's just that the nozzle doesn't spread like one, two. Get this part of it, replace this. And he's going on and on. I said, you know what? Just be quiet. Know it all. Think you know everything just because you're 15 years old. Well, he was right. But what I was impressed with is the brain is thinking, reasoning things out. He's thinking Chinese. Saving a dollar. I like that. He's thinking about, uh, you know, himself buying it, which is a good thing. He's taking some ownership. He's maturing. He's growing up with a good young man. But I didn't tell you that publicly. Don't tell him I said that. The head will go like this. That's what you want. Authority is what is needed in the home. It's a good thing. And it's a blessing if God gives you a child or children. You're a steward of them. 
You have a responsibility to raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and it can be done. It's not a lot of rules and regs and kind of thing like that. It is, let's see what the Bible says. Let's take things a step at a time. Let's begin with the most important thing, and that is to have some authority in the home. And from there, this happens and that and that, all that happens like that. It all falls into place, folks. And I want to encourage you by telling you that no matter how far down it could be, how impossible it might seem, you have to start somewhere. It starts with you. It starts with dad. Dad being... It starts with dad being submissive himself to his authority, God. It starts there. And when you submit yourself to God sincerely, then you begin to do what you should do as a father. And this journey of parenting becomes a real joy and not a, not pushing a rock off a hill. Ever tried that? That is so hard to do. Push a rock up. It's like pushing a Samoan up a hill. It is so hard. Our Samoan friend, Leo, he weighed 500 pounds. That's a big rock to push up a hill. He had a hard time himself walking up the hill. It's such a hard thing. But when you have some things in place, it becomes a joy to have kids. And I'll tell you this as I close. Ladies and gentlemen, parents, one of these days, your kids are going to turn 18. And you're going to cry. Because you know they're going to be out of the house, perhaps. They might stay around. It's not a problem. Just because kids turn 18 doesn't mean you kick them out of the house. This American notion, oh, they're 18, you're on your own. That's kind of silly. It's not the Bible, just because they turn 18. An 18-year-old is not mature. No matter what you think, no matter what they think, they're not mature. I mean, they're not mature to vote. They're not mature to say what they are, boy or girl. Uh, I don't feel like a boy. I'm going to be a... No, they're not mature to make those kinds of decisions at 13 or 7. You people are crazy to think that kids can make decisions like that to the school, the school counselor. I, I, I feel like I'm a girl. Oh, yeah, well, here, let's go, let's go see the car doctor. You know, we'll fix you up real good. Yeah, sure you will. You mess them up for life. Yeah. Women, girls, girls have had surgeries. And at 16, they are so sorry they listen to the counselors and the doctors. They cannot reverse anything anymore. It's such a tragedy to have a young girl's body so mutilated because they believe some screwball educator to say, well, if you feel like a girl, you really are a girl. It's trying to come out of you. But you're a boy. You know, all these kind of things. Now, what was I saying that for? There was a reason for me saying that. Um, maturity. Maturity. Yeah. Uh, well, it's her decision. She's only seven. She's only 10. They can't make decisions at 18. They can't make decisions at 8 or 10. I hope people get sued. I hope they get sued. I hope people are held accountable for the advice or not advice, non-causing that these girls and boys are like, I hope they get sued billions of dollars and tie them after their church. Who says at 18 the child should leave the home? I don't know, but we let our kids stay as long as they could because we love and want them to be around. They're good to wash dishes, <laughs> wash the car. They're good to help. But, you know, when they turn to become a so-called adult, 
and they want to be with you, they want to keep in touch with you, they don't hate you, they don't talk bad about you, you do this. You say, thank you, Lord, for allowing me to raise the kids you gave to me. And through all my mistakes and our mistakes, we did our best according to the Bible. And with your help and your grace and mercy, these kids are balanced. They know how to talk to people. They can do math. They know how to function as, as mature adults. They have good brains. They have good sense about them, good Christian values. They'll always be in church. They'll always love you. always have a Bible. They'll always try to win. All these kind of things that you wanted them to be. They are. But it didn't happen by accident. It wasn't because you played a, a cassette. Cassette tape, that dates me. You didn't play a CD on your nightstand to hear that stuff as they went to sleep. It didn't happen like that. It happened because somebody took authority in the home. And I'll tell you, as I stopped finding my brethren, as Paul said, I, I'm not Paul, but, you know, sometimes it's hard to stop. When I look at you, you're kind of hungry. Some of you are chewing on the back of that chair. You bun your fingernails. It's not a good sight. But I know I need to stop soon. But I want you to know, I'm trying to get everything I can in. I want you to know, you'd be so glad that you tried to have uh, biblical authority in your home. You'd be so glad. You'd be so glad. You'd be so glad when in public your kids are under control. You'd be so glad when at home you not give in to the pressure of stop the spanking and stop the rebuking and correcting because they cried. You'd be so glad you made them do the right thing. You'd be so glad. You'd be so glad. You would not regret it. You won't. If I've done anything right, it's that I have tried to be a good biblical father. Man, I've done a lot of things right, but if I've done that right, I'm very happy about that. My wife may not be anybody. Actually, I'm not anybody myself. Uh, but if my kids grew up right, I'm happy about that. My grandkids are right. Happy about. I like the trend that I see. I like the trend. I like to see that. They irritate me to death. The grandkids do. I'm so glad to be away from them sometimes. But boy, am I proud of them. Not because I'm the grandfather, but because I see what's going on. And I'm so proud that somebody has taken responsibility to be the authority in the home. I hope that helped you. I hope that is helpful to you. I hope you can help someone with what you heard today. That has been my intention all along, to be a help to you. And if you, if you uh, practice some of the things that the Bible says, I think you will see some good changes. But you have to be consistent with it. You have to be consistent. You can't just do it once or twice. You have to be consistent. It takes 21 days to begin a new habit. You must try to be consistent with simple things. And you watch what happens when you're consistent. It will not work if you are inconsistent. You must be consistent. Then it'll take. Give it some time. Give yourself some time. Don't rush it. Take your time. Pray. Ask God for strength. But take your time. And slowly, things will turn around. It takes an aircraft carrier a lot of a lot of distance to make a turn. I don't know how much it takes to make a turn, but you just can't go like turn on the dime. You can't. You must go around like that. Maybe it's a mile. I don't know. It takes a little bit of time, but. That's how it goes. I hope you've been helped today. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you bless the parents, bless the families of the church, and go beyond that. None of us parents 
wishes to always chastise our kids, either by a word or by a spank or something like that, we'd rather not do that. But kids are kids like us with a sinful nature, and they tend to do wrong at every chance they can find. It's our responsibility to be the authority in the home so that we can curtail, but not just stop, to give them reason why they should be compliant and obedient and submissive to the authority. And then one day when they're on their own, they'll continue being submissive to their authority, God. In the meantime, they need a human figure to obey. They can learn to obey a spiritual figure they cannot see, God. And so I pray to help us to understand the truth and may we, may we take the responsibility of being the authority in the home, not, not as a dictator, not as a nasty, old, grouchy man, but as a loving Christian father who has experienced the grace and mercy of God. And we would too train our kids in the same way, with the same spirit, the same attitude. You are so gracious to us, we should be gracious to our own kids. You are firm with us, we should be firm with our kids. We should be balanced in how we raise our families. And Lord, our kids need that. They need the security of a loving, firm father. They need that security. And I pray that you help us to be like that. If there be a man or woman here today who has yet to receive Christ, that have not submitted to the authority of the Bible, I pray that you help them to make sure about their salvation today before they leave church. I want to thank you, Father, for letting us be here. I want to thank you for the honor we've had to open the scriptures, to open it, to expound upon it a little bit, and to help people, help families, help fathers to be what they should be. Give us the strength and grace to carry out our responsibilities. Give us patience. Give us love for our kids. I pray that you bless us. And I pray that you help us, Lord, to have a good week in all that we do. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.